Nigeria will be going cap in hand to the World Bank to ask for money to support the fight against COVID-19 and mitigate the economic and social cost of the pandemic. This is according to the Governors Forum, an organization made up of the 36 state governors in the country. Is this money additional to what the federal government wants from the World Bank? How much are we talking about and what specifically will it be used for? And can Nigerians trust their governors to have the discipline and integrity to spend this money judiciously? And welcome to NOW, our podcast which examines the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on all aspects of our lives. I am Kadria Ahmed. And I am Funke Treasure. In this edition, Governor Kayode Fayemi of Ikiti State, who also doubles up as the chairman of Nigeria's Governors Forum, tells us why Nigerian governors are going a borrowing again. And what we're saying is that in addition to whatever else World Bank may want to do by way of budget support for the federal government of Nigeria in light of the COVID-19 uh, triggered economic uh, crisis, we would also be interested in uh, some pro-poor measures that are directly targeted at state. In Enugu, nurses and other health workers at Park Lane Hospital, a major COVID-19 isolation designated hospital, complain about a lack of protective gear. But the Commissioner for Information in the state Dr. Nayelugu Chidiaro dismisses this claim and says Enugu is fully prepared. Inside there in Parkland, sufficient equipment, PPEs, masks, gloves, all the medical equipment they need have been supplied and are being restocked every day. The governor of Kaduna State, Malam Nasio El Rufai, was one of the first to test positive for the virus in his state. So how is he doing? What about the rest of the state? His Commissioner for Health, Dr. Amina Aliko Boloni, tells us. He's doing quite well. Um, we're encouraged by his progress. All our patients have mild disease and are doing well on medication. Kanywood and Nollywood actor and director Ali Nuhu talks to us about the role Kanywood is playing in the fight against COVID-19. A large, a large percentage of the population do not leave in the cities, they live in the rural areas. And these people need to be educated in our local language. They need to know what is happening. We start with Enugu, where health workers at Parkland Hospital, a major isolation center, have complained about a lack of protective gear. Ohi Odai spoke to the Commissioner of Information of the state, Mr. Nayelugo Chidiaro, and asked him about the problem. These are isolated incidents that are internal management problems. It has nothing to do with supply of PPEs and all that. Mm. If you followed that isolated incident in the morning, the leadership of the Nurses Association, the leadership of Medical Workers Association, the leadership of Trade Union Congress in Enugu State came out a press statement making it clear that that situation had nothing to do with this equipment being supplied. Because inside there in Parkland, sufficient equipment, PPEs, masks, gloves, all the medical equipment they need have been supplied and are being restocked every day. In fact, there's a direct instruction from His Excellency the Governor that their stock must be cross-checked in every 14 days and restocked. But if the stocks are there, so why are the nurses protesting? 
Yes, you know, in every establishment, in every situation, some people who are very unpatriotic could take advantage of the tension in the nation due to coronavirus. And particularly, some medical practitioners who are even really afraid of getting in the front line will find excuses to create some tension and pull away. So, but, but I am telling you about the reality of our preparations, not just that we are preparing in Parkland. It is on record that the Enugu state government, the governor himself, had gone to Osaka and handed over an isolation center fully equipped to the Ministry of Health so that, assuming we have emergencies arising from that area of the state, we do not have to ferry people one hour to the city center for them to get critical care. The same day, His Excellency the Governor redesignated and handed over the State uh, Diagnostic Center to the Ministry of Health as a further isolation capacity, uh, you know, isolation center and treatment center in case we have an expansion of the crisis arising from this. So I am sure that Enugu is doing pretty well with this. Not just with this, the critical issues of risk communication and advocacy. Outside what the multisectoral committee is doing with this fund, His Excellency himself directly intervened and mobilized the 456 autonomous communities in Enugu and released a total sum of 22.8 million naira for all the autonomous communities to immediately hire town criers and go on sensitization and advocacy processes. But Commissioner, is it, is, it, is it just, hello Commissioner, is it just a function of throwing money at this? It's not just a function of train money. That's why I said His Excellency is sitting on top of this and providing 24-hour leadership. Okay, let's if talk. it is throwing money, he, okay. he wouldn't be in Osaka himself to hand over the isolation center. If it is throwing money, he wouldn't be in diagnostic center himself in throwing money. If it is throwing money, he would not lead the compliance team made up of the commissioner of police, the director of SSS, the garrison commander, the civil defense team, to go around to see how much the compliance is being done to the measures he put. Remember in that process, he shut down the operator market for reasonable non-compliance to his directives in shutting down this and obeying the, the, the part that even has to sell food, not obeying the, the, the social distancing pro, uh, protocol. So, okay. money is about providing critical leadership at this point. Okay, noted. Now, let's talk about the total closure of the food markets. Why? We did not close food markets. All we closed were markets of all kinds. And in that directive closing the market, exemption was given to sections dealing with food, sections dealing with pharmaceuticals, sections dealing with water, and sections dealing with basic essential things of need. And if you're on the spot in Enugu, you will discover that if you move from Antizan, move to the Nsuka market section, move to the uh, new market section, move to the Gariki market section, everywhere is shut down except the places selling food. Even at the places selling food, we insist on maintaining social distancing. Because the critical issue is that the life of any citizen of Enugu state is the paramount responsibility of this government to protect, and the government is ready to put in everything within its disposal to ensure that we don't lose any lives out of our carelessness in Enugu state. Kaduna State is one of the 14 states in Nigeria with confirmed cases of COVID-19. How are the infected in the state faring? And what plans are in place to deal with the disease should more people get infected? This is what I asked the state's Commissioner of Health, Dr. Amina Alikobaloni. Um, 
Okay, as of um, yes, last night, Kaduna State has five confirmed cases of COVID-19. All our patients have mild disease and are doing well on medication. Um, since the December 20, uh, February 27th announcement of um, a COVID-19 case in Nigeria, the state has swung into action. We immediately set up an emergency operations committee, um, which is chaired by myself. Um, and there is a state task force on COVID-19, which is chaired by the deputy governor. Um, we have reactivated and re equipped our infectious disease control hospital um, with the necessary equipment. We've acquired some ventilators, um, oxygen concentrators, and other necessary equipment. Um, we've also had discussions with um, the tertiary institutions in the state uh, and the 44 General Hospital, and these are in collaboration with us to provide um, ICU beds uh, and critical care should the need arise. Okay. In terms of the um, capacity that you say you've built, um, including as the infectious diseases center, ventilators, and all of that, how many right. ICU beds do you have? How many ventilators? Talk to us a little bit about um, what is available to people in Kaduna State should something go wrong. Okay, so um, ventilators, as you know, are in short supply everywhere. Um, we have in the ICU um, um, Infectious Disease Hospital itself, about four ventilators. Um, we have in the teaching, and the 44 General Hospital, another four. Um, we have around about 20 is what we have as functioning ventilators now. We have additional ICU beds, which um, we can mobilize. As you know, um, not all, once we have, we're using those um, ventilators for our, our patients, um, we cannot use them for other patients. So right now we, we have a few that are being used for other patients that are not um, COVID-19. But if the need arises, we can mobilize those additionally. Uh, and we're looking uh, and talking to, to people's suppliers to, to give us um, many ventilators. Our aim is to, look to, to build up to at least about 40 to 50 ventilators uh, specifically for COVID-19 for the other cases. So, so the, the others are the oxygen concentrators. Some people don't need ventilators, but they need enhanced oxygen. That is in, in, in good supply. Um, the monitors for those that are severely ill, uh, we've got some of them, and we're hope, hoping to have each ventilator. If we have 50, we have 50 monitors to go with it. So, so it's, it's an ongoing process. As you know, um, there's a sh severe shortage worldwide. But um, we're working with uh, partners, we're working with uh, um, suppliers to see that we can get, get those. Okay, so Kaduna State is fairly large. Um, outside the state capital, Kaduna, what are the facilities yeah. that are available to those who may not be in the city um, but, you know, become ill? Or is it a question of you've put a process in place where everybody who gets ill gets, um, um, gets brought to the main facilities in the state capital? Um, so we have we, the Amadou Bello University Teaching Hospital, Zaria, as you know, is a tertiary institution, and they have that capacity. So we have, we have um, an isolation unit there, and we have um, ICU beds there. Um, for the... The other parts of the state, 
and we're working to um, first of all set up the main center and get uh, the beds and then we we will look at the possibility of putting another center maybe at the at the uh, southern zone but as you know this is driven by um, um, capacity which um, technical skills um, and the tertiary institutions that we have are supporting the, the treatment and care and, and the critical care. Um, so at the moment, yes, we have two centers. Um, the other centers, 44 and, and Barodiko Teaching Hospital, are actually in Kaduna, uh, but we're looking to expand as soon as we get those um, all sorted out. Again, how many tests are you able to conduct? Are you doing large-scale testing? Are you testing on the basis of um, people that you consider to be vulnerable? What exactly is driving your tests and how many are you able to do a day? Okay, so the, the testing is based on the NCDC guidance. Uh, and right now it is um, uh, either uh, contact with a confirmed case and symptomatic or um, someone that has traveled out of the country, come back in and, and develop symptoms suggestive of COVID-19, who is supposed to be in self-isolation. Um, we, at the moment, we don't have a testing facility in Kaduna. We have to take our tests to, to Abuja. So far, we have taken 89 tests, uh, and they have gone to Abuja. We have five are positive, 77 are negative, and the rest are pending. So what we're doing is um, trying to establish a testing center in Kaduna. Um, we have uh, PCR machines that are in the Amadubello University, uh, as well as we have gene expert machines in, in the state. We have about 12. So we're trying to um, get the reagents for the gene expert machines, which can carry out this testing. But first of all, we're collaborating with ABU Zaria, which has the PCR machine. And hopefully NCDC will, will, will validate that, that uh, machine this week and we start doing testing in Kaduna and not moving out to Abuja. So we're following the NCDC guidelines, which is um, testing those people. But if we have capacity um, and the guidance changes, then it's easier for us to, to mop up, you know, to, do, to, to test contact um, in the first place so that we will see um, if any of those contacts are, and we, are, we put them under treatment so that we, we don't have a potential for spread while waiting. But this is still um, based on the, we're still waiting for the NCDC guidelines for that. Now, one of the first people to test positive um, was uh, your boss, the governor of um, Kaduna State, Malam Nasu Erufai. How is he doing? Oh, he's, he's doing quite well. Um, we're encouraged by his progress. Um, as you know, he, he made the broadcast himself. He chose to waive his um, patient anonymity and um, tell the general public that he was uh, um, suffering from COVID-19 disease. He's, he, he's got almost no symptoms. He's mild symptoms. Uh, he's doing well, uh, and his spirit is, is uh, good. Bornu State is the epicenter of the Boko Haram insurgency in Nigeria. It has thousands of displaced people living in camps. Fears have been raised about the vulnerability of these spaces to the spread of an infectious disease like COVID-19. So what is being done to mitigate the danger? 
the state's commissioner for home affairs and information malam babakura jato brunu tells us well as said now we have not recorded any single case and we hope we will not do that until we get out of it but everything that needs to be done just in case anything happens i think we are pretty much in good shape only some few people who are tested and most of them are those people who came in from abroad i don't think if there are more than more than three in number and uh, all of them you know they tested negative now obviously meduguri and bono state is part of the epicenter of the insurgency by boko haram and you've taken the worst hit so to speak of this problem and as a result you have camps of a lot of displaced people um, in the thousands what is the situation yes. with the camps because people have been concerned about the conditions there being the sort of conditions that make it susceptible to the spread of infection first and foremost the, um, the idp camps are uh, is now a no go area for outsiders except strictly on business now there is a complete ban on people coming from abroad or outside of Maiduguri to visit the camp and then the sensitization works also is going on all over they were taught how to uh, practice social distances they were also trained on you know should they sneeze cough they should use their elbow to cover their nose or use tissue paper uh, these are some of those things that measures that is taken in the camp we really do know that they are very very vulnerable the moment there is an outbreak in that place you know it will get out of control with with um, the pandemic going on has this had any impact on the security situation in in borno is um, boko haram still active what is going on in terms of the security of borno state well honestly you know it has subsided um, drastically and of course of recently during the past one week or so they are even on the run because there is a joint action of the combined troops of the Nigerian army the Chadian army and the Cameroonian and all these things they are very very active of late and so the case of the insurgency i think we are going to get over it sooner than expected the Nigerian army the Nigerian air force are now taking the war right into the front doors We heard about an attack on Sunday targeting the village of Aounu which we understand is a key highway linking um Meduguri to the other parts of uh, Borno state. We heard that at least 30 people were burnt alive and about 18 vehicles. Can you confirm if this attack indeed took place and give us the details of exactly what happened? Well, it actually did take place immediately when the attack was carried out. His Excellency the Deputy Governor of Borno State, Professor Babakana Omarazulu, went to those area, and then he had a chat with all those that are affected, including the the military. But the main thing, what happened at Aono was that when the commuters came in at about six o'clock in the evening at the Aono gate uh, towards Meduguri, the gate was locked. Has the strategy of locking the gates of uh, the main town uh, in Borno State, Meduguri, has has that changed, or are we still locking gates at six o'clock and not letting people in? Now that is that is a total lockdown. And and how long is the lockdown of the towns going to last? Do you know? Uh, actually, I do not know. For I do not know, but I think uh, it shouldn't exist more than the prerequisite two weeks. as the situation unveiled itself and it is subject to be reviewed
The Etiosa local government area of Lagos has the highest number of COVID-19 cases in the state, but residents in some parts of the local government area seem oblivious of this fact as they are refusing to obey the stay-at-home order. I was live at the scene on the Lekki Expressway where drivers were out in droves. I'm at a junction on Lekki and it is chaotic. It's raining and it's chaotic. Right? The police are having difficulty enforcing people staying at home. There are cars all over the place. Okay, my name is uh, CSP Union Wamibu. Divisional Police Officer, Ilaso Police Station, uh, Lagos State Command. I mean, even as we're talking now, I can hear loud honking. I mean, it's almost like it's a normal day in Lagos. What is going on in Lekki? The issue is that uh, residents within this area have just refused to obey the presidential order in, re in regards to lockdown. So they just trooped out today in mass, although it was like this Friday night because I actually blocked this particular place Friday, which I impounded about nine vehicles, uh, three commercial buses and six vehicles. And But this Monday has been crazy because I've been out here since 6 a.m. and the residents refuse to go back home. To stay home is a problem. It's a big issue here. Uh, they're coming up with lots of paper, hospital, and all that. So, but one, the ones that are supposed to go to the embassy, like the U.S. citizens that are going back, that are being evacuated back to their country, are being allowed to go. But so many others don't just want to stay home. So, Do you actually have the capacity to enforce this lockdown? Because from what I'm seeing, it's a bit chaotic here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've, uh, uh, my area commander is down here to uh, give a helping hand to us and uh, to make sure that this elder is being enforced. And that's why we're still here. So people that don't have business going to anywhere, going to essential duty, are being turned back. Home. And um, are, you, are you hopeful that you can get people to understand? I mean, what else can you do? Do you need uh, media help with sensitization? What else do you need to make this order work? Yeah, I think people should be more uh, sensitized in regards to this. There should be more radio jingle and television uh, jingle in regards to this lockdown because I believe that uh, maybe Nigerians, they don't really understand what lockdown is and they don't really understand what this uh, COVID-19 is. I think they don't really understand how infectious is, where, uh, how it can be passed through uh, one another. So I think that's the basic issue. So maybe with more jingles and all that, and maybe the president the, getting more, I think jingles will do that. And maybe in putting more tight restriction, because I think the window that is left open for exemption is actually too much. So if it's been a little bit restricted, it will help. So too many people have the opportunity to say we're part of those yeah, allowed to move. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so many people will say they are food vendors, they are days. And this actually this market that is being opened for 10 to 2, I think that's another big issue. Because I for Lagos State Command, uh, for not for Lagos State, for Lagos State, I watched uh, a telly or a television program that said that we have uh, 25 markets in primary school that has been uh, situated around Lagos for the residents to go for their shopping, uh, I feel uh, if that particular one is being maintained, it will be better so that all these other small smoke markets should be closed up. So if you have actually food need, you can go to that primary school to get it within your, within your area, not exceeding like uh, maybe uh, a, a two or three minutes drive. 
Now, finally, um, you are normally used to sort of be able to assess um, numbers and training. How many cars do you think are out today? No, today is just like a regular working day, normal working day. It's not like there's anything locked down because I have been here since 6 a.m. and it's been crazy. Now, the thing is, I, I also drove down because, you know, when we heard this was going on, decided to come and check it out. I passed through Ikoyi, first starting from Lagos Island. Seems to be pretty people adhering, Ikoyi, VI. And everywhere seems to be very quiet and clear. It's only upon hitting this side of Lekki that things look a bit crazy. Yeah, because basically I believe because I blocked this particular place, if they have blocked all the way from Ekpe down to Aja and all that, it will not be, it will not be this crazy. But basically because I blocked here, so uh, that's why they are not having this access. Uh -huh. So if I didn't block here, it might be free. Uh -huh. So if they have blocked around maybe from the border, the border from Ekpe, border to Ogun State and so all that. Yeah, yeah, I've already informed the uh, authority there that they should they put some boundaries, uh, blockage, so that um, because most of these people here are not really living, residing in this jurisdiction, but because it's an express, so they come through. That interview was conducted with the full permission of the Nigerian Police Public Relations Officer, Mr. Frank Mba. On the day the World Bank announced that it will be providing financial relief to 13 countries, Nigerian governors have also announced that they are in talks with the organization for loans directly to states to support the work they're doing to halt the spread of the COVID-19 virus, mitigate the economic problems it has triggered and the hardship it is causing among vulnerable groups. The chairman of the forum, Dr. Kayo Defayemi, explains. As you may be aware, 60% of World Bank funding in Nigeria is at the subnational level. And what we're saying is that in addition to whatever else World Bank may want to do by way of budget support for the federal government of Nigeria in light of the COVID-19 uh, triggered economic uh, crisis, we would also be interested in uh, some pro-poor measures that are directly targeted at states. And that's what our discussion with the World Bank has been. And we now understand that World Bank is seriously considering our proposals to help the weak and the vulnerable, the poor at the local level, and also help some of our uh, informal actors that have had to suffer income losses as a result of the shutdown of activities uh, in order to stem the tide of the scourge in, in our various states. So that's really what we meant by that. Now, you talked about the fact that um, you're saying this um, help that you want is in addition to whatever the World Bank was planning um, to do with the sovereign, essentially the federal government. But given the fact that this pandemic is global and the demand on the World Bank is now going to be global across many, many, many countries, how realistic is this expectation that you have? It would seem that instinctively one would imagine if they were to work directly with the states, then of necessity whatever that they had planned for the federal government would naturally be reduced. Well, 
it, it is very realistic because we're not actually working outside of the framework of the federal government. The federal government is fully aware of what we are asking the World Bank, and our request is being channeled through the Federal Ministry of Finance. It is not something that we're doing exclusively as subnationals, because as you know, in the borrowing plan, our borrowing plan has to be approved by the National Assembly, and that borrowing plan has to be submitted by the Federal Ministry of Finance. So it is complementary. It is not in competition with what our federal authorities are doing. And they also recognize the importance of supporting states at the local level in order to complement their efforts. And I can assure you that it is realistic. We already have assurance from the World Bank that this is uh, going to be done, and it is being factored into all their thinking as a response strategy to this pandemic. Now, given the um, concerns regarding our sole source of foreign revenue, um, that is um, oil, the price of oil in the global market, and the way it has tanked, um, are you at all concerned, you and your fellow governors, about Nigeria's ability to sustain um, even more debt? I mean, already, even before this pandemic happened, people had expressed concern about the level of borrowing that we were doing. Well, uh, it's in the nature of people to be concerned about the level of borrowing. But the reality is that virtually all countries are on a borrowing spree because of the challenging economy that we have, including even the most uh, advanced economies in, in the world. I mean, that's not to suggest any complacency on our part. It is to say that the reality of the economic crisis that we have in the world requires creative borrowing, but it also requires debt relief. As a matter of fact, African finance ministers met in Addis Ababa in teleconference over the last uh, week, and they've all jointly and collectively called for a debt relief program that would enable them to manage this crisis period. Uh, so I am not at all worried uh, that the world can overcome those uh, economic challenges. But what we are also arguing for in our own case is that it's time for us to get full value for whatever we are earning in foreign exchange. We have called as governors for a unified market determined foreign exchange rate that would be the defining uh, rate for whatever goes into the Federation account. So the idea of multiple exchange rates is one that we have advised against and that we believe would help get us a little bit more bang for our boss more Naira in the city that can then go into addressing our pro quo uh, initiatives at the state level. Essentially, are we going to see a devaluation of the Naira? Is that what you are confirming? Well, I'm not confirming anything. I'm not uh, in charge of the uh, monetary side of our economy. The, the 
Central Bank of Nigeria has the mandate for that. I am saying that as governors and as critical stakeholders, owners of the 46% of the Federation account, I'm saying that we feel very strongly that a unified exchange rate is in our best interest. However you may define that, however that unified exchange rate is, we feel it should be market determined. Now, what specifically would you be putting um, the money that you, the new funds that you get from the World Bank into um, if you do get that money? Already, as I'm sure you are aware and as you are seeing across the country, states are having to spend more in order to protect the livelihoods of the vulnerable segments of our population. Uh, today, I launched a, a food bank to make food items available to the poor and the vulnerable in Ekiti State. Ekiti is one of the smallest states in the Federation. I know that my colleagues from Lagos to Abia to Ebonyi to Cross River, they are doing the same thing. And this is something that they did not plan for. But we cannot ignore our citizens who have suffered loss of income in light of the shutdown that are taking place and simply because they do not have food to, to, to rely on. We don't want a social revolt on our hands. And at the same time, the federal government is complementing what we're doing with conditional cash transfer uh, in all the states. So we will be focusing on that, but we would also, with our dwindling revenue because of the uh, because of what has happened to oil prices, we have to still maintain salary payment. Our recurrent expenditure is not going to disappear overnight because people must feed, and that's our number one priority. And we must also not ignore our critical infrastructure that would enable us to grow the economy and ensure stability in the country. So, and this is a complimentary tag that states have. Now, um, I don't know if you're aware, sir, but there's a generally a state of distrust when it comes to, um, I, I believe, I'll take that question again. Nigerians generally tend to distrust government when it comes to spending. Um, historically, they've not seen a lot of discipline on the side of government, particularly when it comes to curtailing spending that is to do directly with um, those in uh, responsible uh, positions. So there, there, there's how can you, the governors, convince Nigerians that this time it will be different and that the money borrowed will actually be put towards um, the things that are necessary and looking after people. And I say this in the light of the fact that we've not heard any serious, tangible plan from any government, be it, um, I think, at the state or at the federal level, about how government is cutting down its own expenditure. I mean, just recently, 5.4 billion naira was spent purchasing cars for members of the um, um, National House of Representatives. So Nigerians are, I think, rightfully distrustful when governments say to them, we're going to borrow money, but that money is going to go towards your welfare. Well, 
Uh, I, I don't think we should take a, uh, a general view of, 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 of these things. One, I don't think it's also correct to say that Nigerians have not heard from states or from the federal government uh, an economic response strategy to current uh, challenges. I know a number of states, including ours, states like Kaduna, uh, states like uh, uh, Anambra, they've announced a plan to cut their budget, to have a supplementary budget that takes into account what is happening to oil prices in the global economy, and to also reduce expenditure that they consider non-essential. And I can assure you that over the next few months, between now and May, virtually all states would have come up with a supplementary budget that is significantly lower than what they budgeted for in December when this had not reached this level of crisis. So there is a response at the level of government, and there is also going to be greater transparency in what we direct these resources that we're looking for to in terms of its pro quo strategy. Because ultimately, we need to take these things in step. The first step is to ensure that we do not risk creating further crises that would arise from lack of resources, particularly for the poor segment of our population. Two is to ensure that this flip-flop that happens to oil is responded to in a coherent manner. And for us in Ikiti, for example, we have decided that a focus on our agriculture and an intensification of our focus on agriculture is a way out. We cannot continue to depend on a monoproduct that is highly dependent on fluctuations in the international market. Uh, and I believe many other states are also in this mode of thinking. But I don't think it's fair uh, to extrapolate from whatever is happening in the National Assembly as a measure of what is happening in the state. And um, I understand the World Bank has actually announced um, um, some sort of uh, response fund, and they've named 13 um, countries that will benefit from what they say is the first wave. Um, Nigeria was not one of those um, 13 countries named, um, but you're still hopeful that you will be able to get some help from the World Bank, yes? Well, we, we, we know the process. We know that we have not even applied yet and we are following closely with the world bank uh our application has just gone in i know that countries like ethiopia and co are the ones that went into the fourth batch but they they're really looking for small money those countries are not uh, uh after the kind of pie that we are after in nigeria i am reasonably confident that we will get the support we're looking for from the world. how much money how much money are you asking for I don't want to go into those details. The Honorable Minister of Finance will give you that information if you ask her. Okay. Now, um, just to conclude, two quick questions. Um, Governor Wiki of River State is quoted um, as criticizing the federal government heavily um, regarding the support that he says 
Lagos State is receiving uh, in relation to the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Um, he is a member of the uh, Governor's Forum. Did he officially complain to you um, in the way that he has complained publicly about the support that Lagos is receiving? And what are your thoughts about his complaint? Well, Governor Wike is my brother, Governor from River State. We do not gag governors uh, at the Nigerian Governors Forum. Governors are still independent entities. They have the right to make their positions known on any issue. But I must say, on this particular issue, Governor Wike did raise the matter with me, and my explanation to him was this was not done on a partisan basis. Just the way Rivers has not gotten one Naira, AKT has not gotten one Cobo, Kaduna has not gotten one penny. These are APC states. The federal government in our own understanding, wanted to focus on the epicenter because they believe that if the problem is arrested at the epicenter, then the rest of all are likely to be saved from the scourge of COVID-19. That was what gave Lagos a head start in my understanding. However, we have also said to the federal government, officially, we met with the chairman of the presidential task force, Yesterday, uh, Mr. Boss Mustafa, and we made our position known, just as we've made it known to the president before that, all that states also need to be helped to be better prepared for the pandemic by the time it depends on, on them. We cannot assume that it will not get to other states. Last week, Ocean State had just one case. Today, Ocean State has 20 cases of COVID-19. So you never can better prepared, and I believe that the federal government has happened to that uh, position that we made known to them, and in all likelihood, they're likely to make some support available to states to cover these uh, exigencies that have arisen. The local Hausa film industry in Kano has become fully engaged in the fight against COVID-19 with support from donor organizations. Popular Kaniwood Nollywood actor-director Ali Nuhu gives us an overview of the situation in Kano and the work Kaniwood is doing. There is movement in Kano presently, yeah, but then uh, uh, movement is just within the state. You cannot travel out. There is a lockdown in the borders. No one can come in and no one can go out. Uh, but there are exceptional uh, situations like people who bring in food, people who bring in medical supplies are allowed to travel in and out of the state. How has uh, the situation impacted on your industry, on your sector, on the work that you do? Yeah, generally everything came to a halt because our association on its own advised uh, every member to stop all activities uh, for the time being uh, till when it is okay for everyone to go back to normal activities. That was announced like two weeks ago. Um, a couple of us uh, who are doing the post-production of our movie are actually working online. For instance, I'm presently uh, working on the uh, post-production of my movie, Banabok Kwei. And um, my editors happened to be in Jos. I was actually supposed to travel to Jos to do it, but then uh, because of the lockdown, I couldn't. So we're communicating. I usually send materials to them, 
via Dropbox, and whatever they finish working on, they do the same thing to me, and that's how we've been working all the while. Okay, so people are learning they can actually do certain things remotely, but in terms of the actual pandemic itself and the efforts to curtail it, is Kennywood playing any role at all? Yeah, Kennywood is doing a lot because a, a couple of us have done skits uh, to create awareness on um, uh, why people should practice um, social distancing, why and ways through which you could contact this disease. And what is why it is necessary for people to stay at home and be safe. We've been doing skits on that. We have a very huge population in northern Nigeria. And um, a, large, a large percentage of the population do not live in the cities. They live in the rural areas. And these people need to be educated in our local language. They need to know what is happening. Because when we talk about English language, it's mostly people that are within the cities that do understand what is communicated in English. So we need to step it down, and that's why we're doing that. And then secondly, as regards um, uh, the way we're doing, going about it, for some, it's individual, because there are a couple that we did on our own. And for some, there are bodies like the UN, the UNICEF, um, and what have you, NGOs like that, they've contacted us, and they, they, they want us to work on things like that. The reception that you're getting from the COVID-19 um, work that you're doing both individually but also for bodies like the UN. Do you feel that it is um, actually working? Are you seeing the impact of the work in the way people are behaving? Yeah, because um, Kano is a very, is a densely populated um, state and um, uh, when you go to, when you go out on the street, you get to see a lot of um, traffic in those days. But now the streets are usually scanty, and even when you go to the market, you find out that there are no much people, like the way it used to be. A couple of days ago, I was in the mall to pick up something. But there, were no, there was no, there was hardly, you know, the kind of crowd I used to see before. I asked them, and they said, it's because of the, film, the cinema in, in the mall is closed down. So people are just distancing themselves. They're not even coming out. So this um, shows that people are, are listening to what is being communicated to them and they're trying to see that they are just. And your missus and your children, are they very excited that finally they have daddy at home for a long period of time? <laughs> of course they are very excited because um, it's not the usual thing that happens. I spend like 18 hours in the house, we're together. We do a lot of things together. We play games, we pray together, we eat together, you know, we watch movies. That we have time, more time to interact uh, compared to uh, the, the way we do during our normal days. And, um, well, I spend some time with them, but then I go out sometimes when it is necessary. But this is what we do most of, most of the time when we're together in the house. That's it today on Now. Thank you for listening. I am Kadria Ahmed. And I'm Funke Treasure.